fishing for me is kind of right up there with hunting. Right up there with hunting, going hunting, hunting, going hunting, okay? It's right up there with it. And uh, I enjoy the concept of both of them. I'm not against them, right? I'm not, I'm not against any of it. It's just that uh, I just don't have the patience to do either of them. I don't mind, you know, having a tuna fish sandwich. Somebody had to catch that thing. I don't mind, uh, you know, deer sausage and things like that. They're delicious. I don't mind any of those. I'm not anti-killing of animals whatsoever. Hey, think about this, would you? Uh, you have people like PETA, right? Uh, people against, you know, the treatment of animals, uh, whatever it is. People eating tasty animals, that's what I say it means. But uh, you have people like PETA, and uh, they're against humans eating animals, but they're also evolutionists who believe that we're all animals. So I think, well, why can a lion eat a gazelle, but I can't eat a cow if we're all the same, right? Isn't that, isn't that a contradiction? And that's typical. And so, hey, if God didn't want us to eat animals, why would he make them out of meat, right? That makes no sense whatsoever. And I have no opposition to hunting. I have no opposition to fishing. I just don't enjoy them that well. But the one thing I have found several years ago that I did kind of find some enjoyment in was actually fly fishing. I found it kind of therapeutic. I, I enjoyed the whole the whole event of this pulling the line. I mean, it just there's a, constant movement, constant action, right? It, it's kind of at a higher plane, I think, than just casting the line out there and dragging the bait in until it's soggy and then sl- slogging another. Yeah, I mean, just over and over. I have no patience for that. But the goal is really the same for both. They're they're the same. What are we? What are you doing when you're fishing? Well, you're attempting to trick fish into biting something that's not real. Now, you might, okay, you might have a real worm, Amen. right? But, but hidden in that worm is the hook, right? It's the hook, right? But, but a, lot of, a lot of fishermen today, it's, I mean, you go fly fishing, I mean, you, you, they're, they're, they're not real. It's not a real fly, Right, a lot of guys go with worms, rubber worms. Uh, go with power bait. Go with a little. Go uh, trout fishing for corn and power bait, and you know all sorts of things. Uh, think about that. Uh, a lot of times, what you're doing is tricking the fish to bite something that's not real. Not real. That's what you do when you put out, uh, you know, your your ducks. If you're going duck hunting, you put out your put out your um, put out the uh, what are those things called? Decoys. Thank you. Put the decoys out. They're not real. Right? They're not real. You're tricking the animal to come in. Now, now, not, now with fly fishing, not only are you trying to trick them with the bait, but you're also simulating that movement of the fly on the water when they touch the water and the trout come up and snag them. Now, you, don't have to, you can go fly fishing for any fish, but most guys go fly fishing for trout. But you are simulating that little fly hitting the water. And it makes, and you got to hit just right. You don't want to go boom like a twelve-pound fly. You know the fish are get scared. They, you got to just touch the water with it. I mean, there's a lot of skill, and it's exciting, right? But after some time of no success, though, like me, what does the fisherman do? Normally, he changes bait, right? If they're if they're not or quit, but if they're not working and they're dedicated, they're going to catch a fish. They change bait, and there are many circumstances that cause you to have to change bait. This is going somewhere. Don't, don't lose me in this. The condition of the river, if it's muddy or if it's clear, it's, it's going to determine the kind of bait that you use. If it's rained recently, if it's a bright sunny day or if it's cloudy, if the water is warm or if it's cold. And the one I go to is this. What's the guy next to me using who's catching fish? 
If he's pulling them in, I go, hey, buddy, what do you got on there? You know, and sometimes they're like, I don't know. You know, they don't want to tell you because you're going to start catching their fish. But what am I saying? I'm saying circumstances determine the effectiveness of the bait. Right. If one bait isn't working, you change bait and you try something else. And eventually, when you find the right bait, whammo, you got a fish. Okay. Can I tell you this is what Satan does in our life? This is what he does. He will change the bait until we finally bite. <laughs> he, may have, he may have started out with you and he throws the, a, a bait of, of cigarettes and you went, oh, those things are disgusting. Why would anybody, the guy, you know, or, he, you know, when you're young and he might have thrown the alcohol at you and he might have thrown this, he threw in the, and maybe this didn't work and that didn't work and this didn't work or that didn't work. And all of a sudden, whammo, something worked. He's like, ah, I got them. Yeah. Right? And then he'll start, you know what happens? Right? When you go to the well and you got water, you keep going back to the same well, right? If you got the bait that's working, why switch bait? They keep throwing the same bait, right? Throwing the same one, same one, and the same one. And uh, the moment we bite the thing that looks so real, we realize, oh, that was fake. What, what was fake? The satisfaction wasn't there. It was not real. Don't miss this now. Don't miss this. Though the bait was taken. Oh, don't miss this. Though the bait was taken and the hook set in and you grab the bait. Listen to me, please. The bait was not the enemy. The bait wasn't the enemy. The bait is connected to a line which the line is wound up in a reel, which the reel is connected to a rod, which is held by the fisherman. The fisherman is the enemy of the fish, not the bait. You following me? The temptation is not the enemy. Satan, who's casting it, is the enemy. It's the enemy. This is why we don't focus on the bait. Right? What's on the other end of the bait? Satan. What are we told in the Word of God? Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. This is why if you want victory, don't focus on the bait. Focus on walking in the Spirit. And you won't have to worry about the bait. Right? But that takes a lot of work. <laughs> right? And we're lazy and we don't always like that. So the vice isn't the enemy, it's just the bait connected to the enemy. And so with that in mind, I want you to look at two ways that Satan is working in our text. There are two ways, two types of bait that he's casting out to this group of Jews who have come up from Babylon to rebuild the wall. This also includes the Jews that had come up already to rebuild the temple with, with, when, with Ezra. Okay, So you have two groups that are all here. Now if you look at our text tonight, look at verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. There is a great cry of the people and their wives against the brethren and the Jews. For there were that said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many, therefore we take up corn for them that we might eat and live. Some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses that we might buy corn because of the dearth. There were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute, and that upon our lands and vineyards. 
Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. Lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants, and some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. Nehemiah said, And I was very angry when I heard their cry and these words. Then I consulted with myself, and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers. These are all Jews. And said unto them, Ye exact usury, every one of his brother. And I set a great assembly against them. And I said unto them, We after our ability have redeemed our brethren the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren? Or shall they be sold unto us? Then held they their peace and found nothing to answer. Also I said, It is not good that ye do. Ought ye not to walk in the fear of God, our God because of the reproach of the heathen, our enemies? I likewise and my brethren and my servants might exact of them money and corn. I pray you, let us leave off this usury. Restore, I pray you to them, even this day their lands and their vineyards, their olive yards and their houses and their hundredth part of the money and of the corn and the wine and the oil and that ye exact of them. Then said they, we will restore them and will require nothing of them. So will we do as thou sayest. Then I called the priest and took an oath of them that they should do according to this promise. So if you notice here, there's two things of, that are going on here with the with with these with the the children of Israel who are building the wall and the first thing i want you to notice that we've already seen in our text before is opposition from the outside opposition from the outside satan is throwing bait from the outside He's throwing bait from the outside. John 15, Jesus said this in verses 18 through 21. Let me read them to you. Listen closely. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, right? But I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. You see, one of the most futile endeavors that a Christian can ever involve themselves in is trying to get the world to love you. Do you know there's churches all over, all around us, trying to get the world to love them? There are ministries all over the world, all over the United States, especially right now, that are pastors that are supposed pastors trying to get the world comfortable with their church services. I think of I think of Andy Stanley and what a heretic he is, and uh, uh, just uh, filling his church with homosexuals and this and that and giving them positions in the church and calling the situations messy and hard to deal with and and while at the same time affirming them and everything else and what does he do he's just he's trying to and he's said it in so many words at so many different times trying to reach these this world that's been put off by church and put off by christians he's trying to reach them another way hey friend they're never going to like you because they don't like the Lord Jesus Christ. No, I'm not saying they shouldn't like you because, because you're unkind or because you're a jerk or because you're rude or crude or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. There are plenty of those, and that is completely unscriptural, ungodly for a person to be that way uh, as, a, as their M.O. in life, right? But I'm telling you, um, when you're just living godly in Christ Jesus... 
the world isn't just ready to come nestle up to you. Because watch, because they're living contradictory to the word of God. And, and how can two, right, dwell together, you know, except they agree, right? How, how, how can two people, uh, the Bible says over in Amos, walk together except they be agreed? It's not possible. And so we're, there, we're, we're, there's going to be opposition from the outside of the world. And some of the bait that, that Satan will throw at you is to try to come in and conform to the world. Try to, try to get them to like you. Try to be comfortable. Uh, help the world to be comfortable around you. Can I tell you what? Some our services are not set up to where the world can come in and be comfortable in here. Listen, friend, our services aren't comfortable for the saved. I, listen, I, I don't get the, I, I am so glad. Listen, I want us to reach all of Nixa. I want the place to be full. I want hundreds upon hundreds of people under the sound of the gospel. But I don't want to be under the burden of trying to uh, come up with something new every week to entertain people to keep them here. If they can't stay here by the word of God, go somewhere else. There are plenty of people that enjoy, there's people not here tonight because they'll, they'll just be bored. They're at home watching some. I guarantee you they're watching some stupidity on television instead of in the house of God. I don't, listen, I don't want to contend with that. I, listen, I'm not out to try to make the world or those that are worldly comfortable to be in the house of God. We're not going to do that. Watch, that's unloving and it doesn't help them. It's like an enabling a little child in, in bad behavior that's going to hurt them someday. No, it doesn't help. And what am I saying? We're always going to have opposition on the outside. We always will. If you're, if you're following God, if you're trying as much as with, with all of your heart and desire to follow God, right? The world isn't going to really be that excited about you. I will think they will respect you. The Bible says that when your ways please the Lord, even as in, he'll make even his enemies be at peace with you. I think they'll respect you but they won't be comfortable, right? They won't be. And I'm not saying they're not going to be comfortable just because, because uh, you're just, you know, just overbearing and just kind of a jerk to be around. It's just we don't have anything in common. In our life, listen, if we're living godly in Christ Jesus, uh, our, our life is an indictment on their life. But the, but the good news that they don't know is uh, they don't have to say that way just like we didn't have to say that way, right? Hey, the good news is we were just like them. We're no different. We're, we're all the same sinners saved by the grace of God. And they can have the same life as we have if they had wanted. But a lot of times they just don't want it. They don't want it. I just saw a video today. It's funny. I just saw this today. This street preacher was uh, in a, on a college campus. I don't even know who the guy's name is. I just saw this video and uh, he was telling about the love of God. And this one girl out there, she goes, what if I don't want God? What if I don't even like God? What if, what if I want to go with Satan instead of Jesus? What if, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I mean, don't, what if I don't even want what you have? Well, you know, why am I now going to be held uh, guilty and accountable? Because I just don't want it, you know? And she was speaking truthfully. She didn't want it. She, you know, she, she, might, she does feel more comfortable with the children of the devil, you know. And it's amazing to us. We don't understand that, right? And uh, we, sometimes we've been saved so long we forget what it was like to really uh, not be that concerned with the things of God. But uh, listen, they're not going to feel that comfortable. Yeah. So don't take the bait of always trying to appease the world. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, there's so many Christians that 
I'm telling you, they just don't want to. Look, they just don't want to look goofy to the rest of the world. Do you know how many Christians do what they do, dress the way they dress for the approval of the world? I'm telling you, it's not the approval of God they're looking for. It is the approval of the world. They don't want to stand out. They don't want to look goofy. They don't want to look silly. They don't want to look different, right? And what are we doing? We're looking for the approval of the world. And and that you know what? That's just bait. That is bait from Satan, right, to get us away. And you know what? When you bite the hook, what you find out later in life is, wow, uh, that that was fake. That was fake. That didn't work. Yeah. First Peter five eight. Be sober. Be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. We saw this the last time we were in in Nehemiah. I believe just last Wednesday. Our enemy comes with opposition. It seems like the moment we put a stake in the ground somewhere, the moment we begin to get closer to God, the moment we get to we, we come into some truth that the Holy Spirit of God shows us from His Word that's new and exciting. It's like, wow, I never saw this. And you begin to make appropriate changes in your life. Boom, there He is. He shows up. Man, He was like, ooh, here we go. You start growing in your faith. You feel like, I tell you what, I'm just, the Lord has been good. And we're just growing. I'm growing. I'm growing. You're saying, I'm growing. I just love this. Boy, here he comes. Opposition. It's a, listen, we, we have to get used to it. It's coming. Opposition is going to come. Can't be overstated tonight. It cannot be overstated. Satan wants us either defeated or dead, and he will not stop his offensive full press. He's not stopping. If he has stopped in your life, it means you've stopped moving forward. And he's won. He's won. So we saw last week the enemy came through Sanballat and Tobiah. Remember, they mocked them, they, they demeaned them, they threatened them. And listen, this is to be expected of the world, right? It's how he works, it's how he comes against us, right? There's, they, they, they come against us with laws against preaching, with laws against pa- passing out tracts in public in some areas. And some, some uh, are trying again, I believe, to get special licenses for preaching. And I remember the Hugh, mayor of Houston wanted... Uh, wanted uh, all of the preachers of, this has been several years ago, if I remember right, that, to submit their, their, uh, their sermons to make sure there wasn't any hate speech. And I knew a, little, a lot of pastors were like, absolutely. No, don't get me wrong what they were thinking. They were, they were going to send her a lot of messages. And uh, you're going to read message after message how wicked you are. <laughs> That's what she was going to get, you know. But this was, this was floated a few years ago, you know. So, I mean, listen, they will always, they will, the governments are always going to try to come in and stop the preaching of the gospel. The world has always been against us. Do you don't think there's laws coming against, against sodomy, against preaching against sodomites and, and, and the transgender LGBTQ R-I-A, I've added P-B, P on the end of it, and uh, whatever they want to add to it, right? Yeah. Polygamy, pedophile, and bestiality. It's all got to come. It's all got to be legalized. Why? Because they've just objectified the marital relationship. And if you, once you objectify it, you can be gratified with anything. And once you allow one thing, you've got to legalize all of it. It's coming. I mean, we're, yeah. Don't get shocked, okay? This will help us not to get so, because sometimes we get shocked and we get discouraged and depressed. We're like, oh, right. We're going to see, Lord willing, Sunday morning in the church at Ephesus, they're living in a worse time than we are. 
go, listen, going to the brothels was completely, totally accepted, accepted. Uh, it, was, it was normalized. It was all a part of their religious worship. And the Word of God comes in and says, no fornication, no adultery, be clean, right? All of these things. You, talk, you don't think they had a hard time living in their culture and, 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 and purity and holiness? They certainly did. But God still commanded it of them. Absolutely. We're always going to have opposition from the outside. We should never be shocked. We should never be. Why? Because the world does what they're going to do. We did what we did when we were lost. Why do we expect differently out of them? There's a scorpion. He was trying to get across the river, and there's an otter, otter there on the side of the river getting ready to go across. And the scorpion said, hey, buddy, would you give me a ride? And he said, uh, no. He's like, come on, give me a ride. He goes, no, you'll sting me. He goes, I'm not going to sting you. He goes, no. He goes, I just need to get across. Come on, give me a ride. No. He goes, I promise I won't sting you. And he, the otter says, okay. He gets on his back and he's swimming across. Right? You know how it goes. Right? Ah! You stung me. You said you weren't going to sting me. He's like, I'm a scorpion, man. That's all I know how to do. It's the world, man. It's all they know how to do. That's right. Don't be so, don't be so surprised. Yeah. Don't be surprised when the wrong entertainment and the wrong friends and the wrong dreams and desires and, and goals sting you one of these days because they weren't right. They will. Yeah. Opposition from the outside. It's bait. It's one of the baits that Satan uses. And it works sometimes. How many people, hey, look around our, our, our just the United States of America. How many professed believers have been completely defanged, had all of their claws removed, they don't have a scratch left, right? Because Satan has thrown the bait at them of opposition from the outside and they've given into it. Right? Yeah. From the inside, though, this is what I want to look at tonight opposition from the inside a famine has set in here in israel a famine has set in the people weren't making money at this time the persian empire still still controlled this whole area right they were just allowed to go back and land but it's still controlled by the persian empire and and so they're still collecting taxes right but some of the israelites didn't have money to pay their taxes so these leaders of judah were were lending people money but they were charging them Usury. They were charging them uh, uh, interest, and, and and they were taking their crops, they were taking their land as co- as collateral for the money that was being lent to them. Additionally, they were taking people into bondage as servants. Look at verse five again. Now ye. Our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants, and some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our land and vineyards. And because of the famine here, what have they done? They've mortgaged their lands, right? Why? Because their children are already in bondage. They couldn't. They couldn't uh, lend them out again anymore, so now they had to start going to uh, mortgaging the land. They had no way to get them get themselves out of debt, and the people bring this to Nehemiah in verse six, and he's absolutely furious about it. And he went to the leaders and he and he rebukes them in verse eight. I just read that. See what he tells them, right? He said, "You you were all in, but we were all in bondage at one time in Babylon. 
Look at verse 8. And I said unto them, We, after our ability, have redeemed our brethren the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren? Or shall they be sold unto us? Then held they their peace and found nothing to answer. Yeah. They had all been in bondage. They had all been redeemed and brought back into the land. They, they, they all knew what it was like to live under bondage and slavery. They were all taken against their will. They had all lived in a land that wasn't their own. They, all, they were all accustomed to what it was like to live without freedom. They had known first-hand experience. They had known the misery of living in bondage and being owned by someone else. They knew that. Right? And now, the formerly imprisoned are making slaves out of their own brethren. Sound familiar? I wonder if the Lord Jesus had this in the back of his mind in Matthew 18 when he gave the parable of the, of the ruler, of the king, who had a servant who owed him a billion, bazillion, gazillion dollars and he forgave it. And he went. that servant went to one of a fellow servant. We just saw this a couple weeks ago, didn't we? And you, no, you weren't here, brother. You missed it. And uh, you didn't miss it. Okay. And he takes his fellow servants. Pay me the hundred days wages you owe me. I, you know, what did Jesus say? He was just forgiven. About a, of a bazillion, gazillion, million, trillion dollars. Whatever the number was. It was that outrageous. And he went and enslaved his own brother. For a debt that was minuscule. Minuscule. This is what they're doing. They're making slaves out of their own brethren. You know, in in one way, in one way, I kind of see this in a lot of the modern churches today. Follow me here. How many people get genuinely born again of the Spirit of God? And what happens? Jesus said, if the Son of Man has set you free, you're free indeed. And what happens when they're saved? They're free from all of their bondages. And then they go into a church unsuspecting. They don't understand. They haven't been taught. They haven't been discipled. Right? They get into some modern, uh, new, uh, worldly church with the same music they used to be in bondage to and they've been put right back into bondage in a church service with the same music but Christian words. Hey, that music's bondage. Worldly music is bondage. That's what's so bad about it. It's bondage. And watch, people get into these churches, they just put right back into bondage. There's all sorts of, I don't have time to go through them all because I already took too much time preaching about something else before I even started preaching. But but, uh, bondage. The enslaved are now enslaving their own. Their own brothers and sisters in Christ are being enslaved. Watch, this is the working of the enemy from the inside. This isn't of God, right? Obviously, Nehemiah wouldn't be so upset about it if this was the Lord. We know this isn't of God. So what does Nehemiah do? He makes all of the rulers give back the land they took, and the tenth of the, of the money, the usury that they had taken. They're supposed to give it back, and they're supposed to make a covenant not to do it again. And verses 9 through 11, we read this just a minute ago, and they agreed to do that, and they obeyed and said, we'll do that. Absolutely. 
bondage, usury, enslaving their own brothers and sisters right, who are really have been set free. So what exactly was the bait that was used to thwart the work on the wall? What exactly was the bait? I want you to think about it. You don't need to answer. I just want you to just ponder this just for a second. I'm going to tell you what it is. And there could be more than this one, but I'm just picking out two things. Self-centeredness. Self-centeredness, which brought division. I'm going to show you this. They had all been in bondage. They had all been freed to return to Israel. But some were taking advantage of those that were less fortunate and making money off of them. It's forbidden in the law. They weren't supposed to be doing this. Watch, and it causes division. Right? Now you have, uh, you know, them, the, this over here put under a, a weight of bondage and and usury that they're never going to get out of. It divides. And it's self-centered. It's self-serving. I'm going to use my brother to get ahead. That's the bait. Wait, that bait is connected to who? That bait is connected to Satan. He's the one throwing it out there. And when people are divided, what happens? Well, they get conquered. No, no, this happens in a family. It happens in a company. It happens in a nation. It happens in a church. You know, it used to be fairly typical, you know, if you, if you, if you did something, if, if uh, um, you, the, you did something in the family, you say, well, hey, I heard you got a car for sale. What do you want for it? Well, for family, this much. What are you doing? Well, I'm not going to make money off family. I'm not here to make live, make money off family. We're family. What happens? Well, it divides. Yeah. You start, it becomes self-centered. And what, what an awful way, because a family is supposed to be a cohesive unit, right? It's supposed to be. And what an, what an awful thing to do to divide your family based upon a self-centered endeavor of making money off of them. Right. And so that was pretty typical. Yeah. But it happens in a nation. Are we not divided today? Is, is there not, is there not the, the wealthy class and the rest of us? Right. Are not exorbitant uh, interest rates and things being exacted on people? And then if, then if you're really bad off and, and really don't have the ability, you can go to a car title loan and, the, boy, they'll loan you money at about uh, you know, 40% interest and then they know you're not going to pay and then they'll take your car. Now, don't get me wrong. Nobody puts a gun to their head to go do this stuff. But just the very fact of setting up a business like that in the first place, is, it's unfortunate. But I think worse than all of it is in a church. A church. Taking advantage of a brother or sister is self-centered and divisive. It divides. You see, Crimson Avenue Baptist Church, by the grace of God, we're moving forward. By the grace of God, we're building. By the grace of God, we're, 
We're endeavoring to uh, enlarge our coast and to uh, reach the community with the gospel. We're attempting to do that. We're not perfect at it, obviously, but I believe that's in the heart of the majority of the members of this church. And we know this, Satan desires to divide. I mean, he's throwing bait all around church members from the world. I mean, uh, there's a lot of church, there's several church members, there's all over the United States, all over our country, in this church and other churches, they have hooks in their mouth, the bait's hanging out, and they're being dragged along by Satan wherever they want to go, wherever he wants them to go. They bought the bait. But, but worse than that is the bait that's being cast on the inside. On the inside. Yeah. We may not be charging interest to a brother or sister in Christ. That's not the issue probably. Now, I don't know. Micah may be rolling loans out to people I don't know about, and he's got, you know, 15% interest rates, and he's making bank off of them and threatening to, uh, you know, to, to tell on them if, if they say anything. I don't know. He seems like that type of guy, doesn't he? And uh, 17%. 17%. Oh, Martin gets more. Micah has a better deal. If you want to be taken less advantage of, go to Brother Micah. Hold on, wait. But we can still have the same attitude of self-centeredness and self-serving for the sole purpose of benefiting ourselves. We can. And that's just as divisive. That's just as much bait, the bait of Satan, to get us to latch on to, to divide a church. Over in Acts 2, you remember Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, and it goes on in verse 42 through 47. And it says there that they had all things in common. They went house to house daily. And they provided for one another's needs. Why, why were they doing that? Well, because when they came to Christ, a lot of them got kicked out of the temple. You get kicked out of the temple, a lot of them lost their jobs. Right? It was all connected. And so the church got together and they began to provide for one another's needs. Why? They were, they were a cohesive unit. They were a body. They, they loved one another and there was no division in that first church. And you notice what, 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 a, what a ministry it had. Amen. Starting with just 11, blew up on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, 120. At the end of the day of Pentecost, about 3,120 Probably the church of Jerusalem hit upwards to 14,000 members at one time before God scattered them across. Yeah. But what were they doing? They were looking out for one another. They weren't, they weren't looking to get ahead on using somebody else. They were looking out for one another. Philippians 2, 3, we're told, In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than himself. That's a heart attitude. And I'm telling you, bait on the inside of Satan says this. Oh, that would help you. That would be good for you. That would be easier for you. Yeah, don't worry, they've got it. You, you, you don't need to do anything. It's okay. Watch, those attitudes are dividing. The churches be of the same mind and of the same heart. What, is this, what does it look like? What are some ways that this happens? I'm just, listen, your mind can go to ways. I, you, know, you know what I'm thankful for? I don't have hardly any examples of this in our own church. 
But this is a warning. It's a warning. The wrong time to learn about bait is when it's hanging out of your mouth. <laughs> okay? It'd be better to learn about it before, right? You know, little fish in their schools because they, they're not really good schools because they still bite the bait, right? But in their little schools, it'd been better if they said, now, see this worm? They have diagrams, you know, posters all over it, diagrams of what all the fake worms look like and all the different, you know. That'd be great, but it never happens. Hey, you know what? When you don't give... Because you have the attitude, oh, so-and-so gives enough. Yeah. Watch what you're doing. You're essentially making profit off of them. Exactly. Because you've just saved you your money, whatever it was you're giving. Money, time, energy, ah, worship. That's bait with a hook in it that Satan uses to divide a body. Yeah. When you don't work because somebody else you know, well, they'll get it. When there's something that could easily be done that you could do, right? picking up a book, throwing a piece of paper away, Picking a cup. I mean, you know, I mean, just go through it. I, I'm, I'm really having trouble thinking of things. I, I mean it. But you can just go through. It, it, when, when there's something that comes in front of you that you could do, that you could, as, as a cohesive unit of the body, that you could, uh, that, that you could take care of, and you say, eh, somebody will get it. Somebody healthier than me will do it. <laughs> somebody more nimble than me will do it. And I understand. I mean, so, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you can't even walk, you probably shouldn't be finding a ladder to go change a light bulb, right? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But if you have that mentality and that attitude, what you're doing, you're making profit off your brother. And that's wrong. It's divisive. It's bait. Don't take it. Self-serving. Self-centered. See, we're here to serve one another, not to be served. We are here to serve one another. We're here to serve one another as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the temptation arises to be served rather than serve, let me tell you, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. And if we would all have that heart and that attitude and be conscientious and ask the help of the Holy Spirit of God to make sure we have a servant attitude, I'm telling you, Satan can't divide us. He can't divide us. Yeah. And what does that do in the long run? It helps Nixa, Missouri. And it helps the world. Yeah. Opposition on the outside, but opposition on the inside. Let me encourage you tonight, and we're done. Let's make sure we stay circumspect. Let's make sure we stay alert to the bait that comes along. And always remember this. It's not the bait that's the enemy. It's the one who's throwing it at you who's the enemy. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's make sure we're on the same page. Let's make sure we have one another's interest at our heart, not our own interest. You know. 
See, watch, if you take care of, if we all take care of each other's interests, every one of us, if there's 50 people in, 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 a, in, a, in a church, say 100 people in a church, if everybody takes interest on everybody else, each person will have 99 people looking out for them. If you just take care of yourself, you only have you. And we're not that good at it. <laughs> yeah. But God help us. Let's stay, let's stay together. Let's watch the bait. Let's remember who, who it's attached to. Remember we have enemies on the outside. We have an enemy on the inside. Opposition on the inside. And let's, let's make sure we're a church that is not out to make, make, to make profit off our brothers and sisters, but that we ought to be a blessing to one another and a help. May God help us in that. Father, thank you for the word tonight. Would you bless your word? Would you help us to stay alert to these things? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand tonight and answer to play. I don't know how the Lord spoke to you tonight. And uh, I've, I've told you once already, I'm just thankful that I have str- I struggle thinking of examples of this. But I know it's possible. I know it happens. I know it can happen. And I, I don't know what's in everybody's heart with the Holy Spirit of God may have put his finger upon you tonight. may not have been anything like this. Maybe it's something else going on that he's spoken to you about. Whatever he has spoken to you about tonight, you just take some time and deal with him about that. Martin, would you close us in a word of prayer, please? Dear Lord God, we thank you for this time that we can come into your house. 